I think that outdoor dining can provide us the opportunity to give people you know, a safe environment for, for dining in this new COVID normal. Um, and hopefully we can you know, cut through some of the red tape and take advantage of um, extending the footpaths, um, yeah, using the parking spaces and, and so on. This week on Dirty Linen, we are speaking to people in Melbourne in the wake of the stage four extension and the tenuous, conditional and slow path to restaurants reopening and fingers crossed, recovering. I want us to check in with a pub owner. So we're talking today to Ryan Moses, who owns Norton's Hotel in Carlton, opposite Melbourne Uni. When I think about Norton's, I think of jugs of beer, feeling like the best pool player in the world. Uh, it's a classic pub, um, but I can't come down for a pot of beer and a game of pool right now, can I, Ryan? No, sadly, sadly, we've got to wait a little bit longer for that, Danny. Um, yeah, I think we're all hanging out for some good news um, yesterday, but it looks like it's going to be another 10 weeks or so before people will be back inside pubs again. That's just devastating to hear you say those words. I think none of us really felt that we were going to get news yesterday from the Premier that everything was going to reopen next week. I just don't think that that was realistically in the offing. But still, it, it, there was definitely a, a massive... You could, you could feel Melbourne Melbourne sinking feeling, couldn't you, as the news uh, the news came out? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we'd probably all been doing the, the sums in our head and trying to, you know, guess where, where it was going to land. Um, you know, I, I was sort of bracing ourselves for, you know, maybe another month. Um, but, yeah, that, that sort of extended time, it just it, it feels like, you know, we're getting closer, but it's it's ever ever more getting further away from us at the same time, you know. Um, yeah, which is hard. It's a little bit hard, but you know we, we're all experiencing it in our own ways as well, aren't we? Well, definitely. I think it's this thing that we are all going through together, as uh, as we were initially told. That sort of rhetoric's um, certainly evaporated somewhat. We are all going through a pandemic, but it hits us all very differently. So, can you talk a bit about yourself as as the owner of a grand old pub and what it's like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I think um, at the moment it's very much just day by day, just trying to focus on on what we can to keep the place you know um keep the place going keep keep the place alive in people's sort of hearts and minds um in terms of um i guess what's what's on my mind as as the owner of the business so you know first and foremost um you know sorry and stressed and anxious for for the team because you know we we, we did employ 27 people before this all began and and now that's down to sort of half that number um and that news that they're sort of, you know, two and a half months away from having a return to any sort of normal with their work is pretty, pretty tough. Um, and then I look at it from the business perspective as well. And, um, you know, there was sort of a lot of rhetoric at the start around, you know, getting to the other side and putting businesses into hibernation and, and this sort of thing, um, which is all well and good. But um, the reality is very different. And, and that whilst there has been a lot of support, um, you know, thrown at everyone and in all industries, um, in our industry, um, and in our case in particular, we, we, in the background, we're racking up a lot of debt. And um, that debt continues to grow by the day, by the week, by the month, um, at quite a rapid rate. And, 
and it really worries me what happens at the end of all this when we come out with you know a six figure plus sum of additional debt and we enter back into um, a market which well none of us know what it's going to be like exactly but it's certainly not going to be um, as busy as it was before and and that all has to be paid back and yeah that's that's pretty concerning to me to be honest yeah totally well for people who aren't inside the hospitality world can you explain how a business that's barely operating still racks up debts yeah so look I think it's been pretty well sort of covered and, and spoken about this sort of commercial tenancies um, relief scheme um, and the, the premise of that is basically that you you can get up to 50% of your rent uh, waived um, so you know working on the assumption that most businesses out there are doing you know probably less than 10% of their normal turnover through takeaway most of us are racking up you know 45 50% a month in accrued rental debt so in a pub like ours um, speaking roundly our rents about $20,000 a month so that's $10,000 a month in in accrued rental debt um, considering that by the end of November this will have gone on for eight months um, you can sort of see see how that adds up pretty quick and then if you're like us and, and you invested heavily in in the refurbishment of your venue um, and took out loans on that then then you're also accruing um, interest debt on those loans as well it's deferred and paid later but but it's still you know that's that's money that has to be paid and made you know um, and so you know, at the end of all this, you know, we're easily looking at, at a pretty big number that we've got to then start paying back in a, as I said, a quieter market. Yeah, it's very stressful, um, especially where there's no end date and we don't know what it's going to be like on the other side. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, how how do you deal with it? Like, how do you deal with it personally? How do you, how do you stay, how do you look after your team when you've got this stressful scenario this this time bomb that's sort of ticking along in the background um look we've got a great team we, we're very much like a family here that you know i'm lucky that um my wife is really involved in the business and um one of the managers laura and and her husband ryan are, 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 and ryan the head chef are very much involved in the business as well so i guess we we, we share that um stress and i get to bounce off them a lot um our team is incredibly supportive and and really understanding and behind everything um, that we're doing. So, yeah, I mean, collectively we we talk about it and we um you know we're focused on doing what we can now to sort of you know um, pay what bills we can and minimise what costs we can, so that when we do get to the other side, we're in the best place possible to continue doing you know what we all love doing. So, yeah. Mm. I think when Melbourne reopened for a little while in June, uh, what people, what so many people were looking forward to was going to the pub. I mean, we love our restaurants, we love our cafes, but there is something so nurturing and comforting about the, the local pub. I think that was something that people really missed, even if they hadn't been going to a pub regularly. It's like you just felt like a palmer in a pot. So, I mean, given that people love pubs, just the way they were how what kinds of thoughts are you having about reopening and doing things differently yeah I, yeah that's a, that's a good question um i think that there's been a lot of talk within the industry about um you know 
it's you know hospitality is not going to be the same again the world's not going to be the same again and and so on i guess that's true you know every day everything's changing but um there's a lot of focus at the moment i feel on um technology and and that as a way of um i guess reducing human interaction as both from a safety perspective and and from a, a wage saving perspective and i think that some of that stuff um yeah it saddens me a little bit as someone who's sort of dedicated their life to the service industry and to you know being in customer facing sort of role um the idea that that can be replaced by an app or by people you know sitting on their phone and ordering from a table is is a little bit sad and and, and i don't think will be something that we will um, necessarily embrace when we reopen i think that we're going to really try and um stick to those those roots of of what has made um norton's a great pub in the years gone by mm. it's interesting like we were talking to um salvatore malatesta on yesterday's podcast and he spoke about the chat bots that he's using to chat to some of his delivery customers and even though it seems like the least personal most sterile way to communicate that he's actually learnt a lot about his customers just through some of the questions they ask and it's um, enabled him to improve his service experience so I suppose there's definitely something in I guess reducing those touch points is by definition it, it reduces that interaction but perhaps there are ways to spin it positively and to, to still be able to get something out of an interaction even if it's different and not exactly the way you'd want it to be yeah and I don't want to come across as a complete technophobe either um you know and I think things always have to progress and change and and certainly for us we've been doing um a weekly pub in the box offering where we pack up a few of the things we love about the pub some good food and beers and wines and, and and whatnot and ship it out to customers each week and 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 it's been really well received and and the lovely thing has been that while we haven't been able to stand there and sort of pour the beer or serve them the food, um, is that um, they've really embraced it and, and taken to social media with photographing their meals and showing how they've turned out and, and posting it to their stories and whatnot. And that has allowed us to then engage in, in conversation with them as well through that platform. And so stay connected and hear their thoughts and their feedback. And yeah, so there, there are definitely applications of technology, which I think are great. Um, I'm just, yeah, I, I'm just a bit sceptical about the whole replacing the server um, with ordering from phones and tablets and, and whatnot, I think. Yeah, definitely. And as a customer in a pub, I love going up to order, getting a round of drinks. It's, uh, you know, you have that interaction not only with the staff but perhaps with other customers. It's just such a, it's such a social environment. So I guess to feel like I'm going to be in a pub but I'm going to have to remain seated, I'm going to be sitting at the table all the time. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to play pool. I guess we're going to be sanitising pool cues a lot. <laughs> um, I think pool will be a little while away, yeah. I think it will be. It's um, it's amazing the things that we're going to treasure and appreciate, isn't it? Yeah, and look, that's been something that's been really nice is that, you know, even from the first lockdown, um, it sort of felt like um, the politicians and even the Prime Minister were using pubs as a bit of a barometer for you know how things were going to open up it was always the pubs that were being mentioned first um and it's really really heartening to be honest that that um feeling that you get from the sense of the community missing what we do and it, it does it really makes it feel worthwhile which is which has been great so yeah we're very much looking forward to when 
when we can get back to serving pots and and um, yeah, having people in here again. Definitely. Well, Ryan, tell me what got you into pubs. Sure. Um, I've been in hospo for pretty much 20 years. I went straight out of school um, into hospitality while I was at uni. Um, it turned out that I was better at hospitality than I was at uni. And, um, you know, I've sort of done done every job that there is. I started washing dishes and then went into working as a bar back um, at the Melbourne Wine Room in St Kilda many, many years ago and then sort of jumped through different jobs, worked as a sommelier for a little while and then ended up moving to London. And I think that's when I really um, fell in love with pubs. And while I was over there, um, I ended up running a group of four pubs in central London and, and decided that I wanted to come back and, and do something similar here, take, take what I'd learned over there. And, um, you know, there's something pretty special about the British pub and sort of try and introduce it into, you know, an Australian setting with our own sort of slant to it. And, um, yeah, so that's it's sort of been a bit of a dream for a while. And four years ago, we took over Norton's. Um, and, yeah, haven't, well, until this year, haven't really looked back since. Fantastic. Um, well, tell us, tell us about the difference between the British pub and the Australian pub and what you've brought from Britain to Australia. Yeah, good question. Um, I think one of the big differences is the British use their pub as the lounge room. Um, Australians tend to maybe frequent them a little bit less less regularly. But having said that, the pub here at Norton's, I've never worked anywhere. We've had so many regulars as we do. Um, I think what else is there? British pubs, there's there's warm beers, um, something that doesn't fly so much <laughs> over here. <laughs> dogs indoors, which is something that I'm very much campaigning for. I think we should be having dogs indoors here as well. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and there's just sort of a warmth and a comfort and, and a sense of history and place when you're in British pubs, which is pretty um, special. And, yeah, that's something that we certainly, when we refurbish Norton's, try to, um, you know, put back in because a lot have been stripped out over the years of this pub. Um, so we've sort of tried to be really sensitive to that. Something that a lot of people are talking about when we think about reopening is outdoor dining. And I guess, you know, the beer garden is a big part of pubs, but tell me how you think about outdoor dining in relation to Norton's. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that this is becoming um, more of a conversation. I think that, um, yeah, it's been probably quite obvious for the last couple of months um, that this was always going to become a thing and I'm yeah, heartened to hear the politicians and councils sort of getting on board with it now. Um, I think that outdoor dining can provide us the opportunity to give people, you know, a safe environment for, for dining in this new COVID normal. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, cut through some of the red tape and take advantage of um, extending the footpaths, um, yeah, using the parking spaces and and so on. Um, I know that friends of mine running venues in the UK have said that um, where they've been able to extend their outdoor dining, that they've been able to recover, you know, 60, 70% of their normal turnover, which I think anyone in Melbourne now would sort of, you know, bite your hand off in accepting that if that if that were possible. Obviously, Melbourne has very inclement weather and, um, yeah, it's, it's going to need to be considerate of that. So if there were assistance available that could, um, you know, in the form of government grants or whatnot that could help venues cater for that and, and provide, you know, cover, shade, heating if needed. Um, I think that you'd find that, you know, as an industry, we'd be really supportive of it. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, outdoor dining sounds like a good idea, but then you think about the number of days that it really would not be very pleasant to sit outside in Melbourne and eat, and they're quite numerous. I think it's also a challenge in terms of taking bookings, which I I guess, you know, restaurants are going to want to have some certainty in terms of customers, but it's, yeah, it's uh, it just seems like there's going to be some tough days outdoors, uh, even if we do have some assistance in um in putting the infrastructure in place. Yeah, it's certainly, look, it's it's not a silver bullet, but um, at this point, you know, personally, I would I would take anything that's offered because, you know, something is better than nothing. Um, and I know that I guess some people would probably disagree because you, you may fill your fridges and staff your shift and whatnot. Um, and to a degree, you know, it would just become another variable that you have to factor into your week. You know, you'd be looking at the, when, you, when you're doing your ordering, you'd be looking at what the weather forecast says. Um, but you know, if, if they're talking about the end of all going to plan and, and these are pretty big ifs all going to plan, we get to have, um, people back in the venue end of November. And even then it's capped at 50 at a max. So in our instance, where we've got several rooms where we can accommodate, um, 20 people, that's, that's a huge reduction on even what we were doing in June, which was already a huge reduction on what we're doing before. So Every additional seat that we can potentially use, um, I'd be, I'd be fighting for. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, well, I think as a diner, I would buy a special restaurant poncho and uh, umbrella and boots and whatever it took, and I will be sitting in those seats, getting <laughs> rained on or blown away. Um, and yeah, I will be, I will be eating and drinking in or outside or roundabout restaurants. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great idea, the outside poncho. I think, yeah, and they get, look, they're going to have to give us some direction sooner than later on these things. Um, you know, everyone's going to need to order in or rent or whatever furniture and heaters and all those things I said. And, you know, the longer this whole process takes, the harder that becomes. There'll be a bottleneck at the end and then suddenly, you know, no one will be able to get any of these things because they'll sell out within 10 minutes. So um, I think there needs there is a bit of a sense of urgency that's needed to this. Yeah, definitely. Well, you'd think there must be so much of that infrastructure that's not going to be at the Melbourne Cup or the Caulfield Cup or all those spring and summer events. So, yeah, hopefully someone's starting to think about how to aggregate those and get them out there. I know that the, you know, anyone who's in the marquee business would be <laughs> delighted to hear about another place to um, to prop up their infrastructure. So, yeah, perhaps, yeah, the stuff's out there. That's right. Yeah. It's just supporting someone else local who's doing it tough yeah there you go some clever person can uh build the website that uh gets the right chairs tables shelters out to the right people and the government can subsidize it all yeah that sounds like a perfect plan there you go yeah we've sorted it out (laughs) um ryan you've also got accommodation at the pub haven't you we do yeah we've got 11 guest rooms um up top um, yeah, they're normally a really important part of what we do. But um, yeah, look, since March, we, we, we operated them for a little while throughout June. Um, but yeah, just with, with all the travel restrictions that are in place and, and everything, like it's just, it's it's pointless. Um, yeah, I'd end up being here 12 hours a day to, to maybe look after one guest in the room. So yeah, they're closed for the moment. Yeah. And so what sort of um, people would come and stay in them uh, before all this? Yeah, so traditionally it's a, we had a pretty varied mix. We're quite close to the hospitals here as well, um, the the Royal Melbourne and Peter Mac, etc. And 
um, we'd get a lot of, I guess, medical tourists is what I call them. Like if you're in, in Tassie and, and um, you have a heart condition, there's only a couple of people down there who do those sorts of procedures. So a lot of them get flown up to Victoria um, for that sort of thing. Um, we got a lot of travelling academics or even parents of students, you know, international students from the uni um, across the road. And um, and then just general, yeah, tourists, we're, we're quite close to the CBD, so it's um, it's a pretty convenient spot to stay. So, yeah, but all of those all of those markets have dried up, <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they've all stopped. Um, so, yeah, I, look, to be honest, I thought we had a pretty good business model here. You know, I've been doing this for a while, and one thing that, that we set out to do is we thought, you know, have multiple streams of income. You have you have a pub, you have a dining room, you have a space for your drinkers, you have a function room, you have a bottle shop, you have a you know accommodation upstairs. So that if one area is quiet, you know, if we're not doing functions at that time, all well, the other areas will probably be busy. But um, yeah, this this pandemic has just wiped the whole the whole lot at once. Um, yeah, it's quite remarkable. Uh, yeah, remarkable's a word for it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, international students, and of course, there's so many in Melbourne. Uh, were they part of your, or are they part of your um, staff list? Yes. Yeah. Good question. So, out of the 27 staff that I mentioned before, um, yeah, 10 of our staff were on visas, um, and yeah, we did have um, a few international students amongst that that group there so yeah sadly um we've done our best to sort of look after the permanent staff who are on visas and um yeah we just couldn't couldn't look after everyone it's pretty it's tough and i know you you, you know more about this than me danny you've seen the effect of it but um yeah it is very difficult it's really tough i think the thing when we heard the announcement on sunday i thought i thought first of you know restaurateurs and um people that own businesses and how gutting it is to just push that light of the t light at the end of the tunnel out that bit further. Uh, but then I did quickly also think about the visa holders and just so many of them have been clinging on to hope for, you know, the end of this lockdown. And it's, yeah, it's just really, really tough for, um, for them to have yeah, any sort of end date pushed out further. Uh, so many of them are just, yeah, clinging to the last uh, of their resources. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really tough. But do you, were they um, – they're, a, they're a, an essential part of your business? Oh, it's a massive shame. Yeah, look, um, business partner and head chef is South African. Um, so, he's you know, he's a, he's a visa holder. Like um, we've got two, you know, highly skilled, qualified – chefs in the kitchen who we sponsor, um, you know, um, who, are, who are on visas as well. So, you know, I think it's sometimes it just gets pushed aside and it's just, oh, it's just people travelling and on a holiday or whatever. It, it's not really the case. These are, are really, really dedicated, um, skillful, talented, committed people who are filling jobs that, that, to be perfectly honest, we find very, very difficult to fill, um, you know. So... Yeah, it's it's going to be a huge loss um, not having that pool of people to, to to call on. And, and yeah, I think the industry is going to feel it. And I think at the end of the day, the customer will probably experience it too when we when, when there's that sort of drain of talent, you know. Mm. Um, I'm going to do something just <clears> – <throat> it's not off topic because it's about visa holders, but I'd got an email on Saturday from someone 
it's called Salim Khan. He's a visa holder, and I'm just going to read it because it's just so sad. And he's so he's it's an open letter to Daniel Andrews, Gladys Berejiklian, and Anastasia Palaszczuk. So the premiers of Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland. My name is Salim Khan. I arrived in Victoria from France in June 2019 on a working holiday visa and was immediately employed in one of Melbourne's finest French restaurants at Crown Casino. I've also done my 88 days very strenuous fruit picking in order to extend my stay. Since March, I've been in lockdown and unable to find any work. I have no money. My health is deteriorating. Your country is crying out for labour to pick fruit and I am willing to do that work. I do not ask for charity. But please explain to me how I can be expected to pay for an airfare and then two weeks of quarantine in order to work very hard for $19 per hour to supply the produce for your dining tables. Please, you must find a way to help the thousands of people in my situation to help you with your situation. I implore you to make some exemptions for those who test negative to COVID-19 to be able to travel to assist your farm economy and allow me the dignity and mental health to earn a living wage. You must assist those who are willing to assist you. Look forward to hearing from you. Isn't that gutting? Yeah, it's well well, well put. Yeah, I wrote back to him and said, you know, it's a terrible situation. I'd love to share your letter and, you know, let's have a chat so I could get some more context. And then yesterday he wrote, unfortunately, after the announcement today, I've arranged to leave the country. It's quite sad, but I didn't have any more option. Yeah, it's it's very sad. We... we, um, a couple of our staff who had been hanging on um, have also booked to go home to, to Ireland and England, um, respectively, because, yeah, it's, I think, like I sort of said at the start, it's that, you know, we're getting closer to it, but it just seems to get, keep on getting pulled further and further away. And, yeah, I can totally, totally um, sympathise with that feeling, you know. Yeah. Well, Salim, we're really sorry that you're leaving. I'm sorry that this is how Australia's treated you because we do need people out in the regions um doing agricultural work and yeah it's a problem um so yeah i yeah i'm at a loss as to why something can't be done about that um but ryan back to back to you <laughs> so a lot of people are a lot of people are so demoralized by um extending the lockdown and pushing back the reopening timeline uh, people are talking about it as a last straw, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to think that it will be the death knell for some businesses. I know that you're gonna hang in there and push through and regroup, and Norton's is gonna be there, and I'm gonna get my bloody pot and a game of pool eventually. But we don't have the pool table anymore, Dan. What? I'm buying it has, one. It hasn't been here for years, unfortunately. But oh yeah. my god, you can bring it in. Okay, you can wheel, well, you can wheel one in. I'll bring it in. Yeah, don't worry. I'll have an extra pot to compensate. Okay. Um, but tell me what you would say to people who perhaps are feeling like it's all just too hard now. Uh, what if people need a, a, a bit of hope and just a little bit more energy to get through? What could you say to them? Oh, uh, look, I think that. You only need to look at the the interactions that you, I'm sure you know everyone else out there is having with their community. Like people are so behind us and so um, you know desperate and looking forward to when hospitality can return. I think that there's going to be an amazing amount of support that comes our way. Um, the other thing I keep on saying to the team is that you know what what worked before and was good before. There's no reason why it won't work and be good again. Um, so you know if you really believe in what you're doing and you had a good product. 
um, I feel really confident that that's going to be a, a good product again in future. So, yeah, just stick in there, you know. Love it. Well, I wish you all the very best as you stick in there, for the best for you and your team. Um, thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing the Norton story today. And, um, yeah, I really look forward to being able to give you a, a, to- a toasting Melbourne's reopening with you, whether I'm in a poncho or not, standing in the rain if or not, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks very much, Danny. Thanks for all that you're doing as well. Appreciate it. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>